0: Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. In the not-too-distant future, next Sunday AD, there was a guy named Joel, not too different from you or me.
1: He worked at Gizmonic Institute, just another face in a red jumpsuit. He did a good job up the place, but it's bossing like a soda shot him in the space.
2: Good and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. It's the week of April 1st, 2021. This is episode 228, and I am your host, Chris Randazzo. Joining me tonight, as always, is Snore Master of Tral Falcomore, Karen Randazzo.
3: McLeod!
2: Smuckers, Raspberry Preserve, Angie Fernand.
3: I wish I had gone blind.
2: <laughs> and good, he's the best, Evan Goldstein. Huzzah! <laughs> Tonight, I subjected my fellow Twepcasters to one of my all-time favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It has nothing to do with pods. It has nothing to do with people. It has everything to do with hurting. How do they enjoy it? Will this be my final episode as they eject me into space in an escape pod hidden in a box of Hamdingers? Let's find out. Guys, how's it going? So
0: I, I just had one question. What was that swamp thing at the
2: beginning? Of-
3: no, we can't talk. About- okay, so, <laughs> right. okay, okay, this <laughs> is the thing, guys. All I want to do... Swamp- the thing
2: versus the sweet thing right
3: i just i'm gonna be honest with you for the first time maybe as long as i've been doing this podcast as if it's been that long i really just want to talk about the episode like i really do i really there's so much to unpack we, here
0: we, we we can't do that though no. because we got information yeah. at the beginning of the week yep that made
2: all of us tickled
3: yes. so and and dear listeners we really do this for you so you're welcome <laughs>
2: Well, let's have it. What's going on? What's new? What's cooking? What's happening? What's piping? What have you been watching, honey?
3: Why, wait, wait. Why, well, I'm I mean, so not ready for this. I thought right, you so, listed everything. So I, I don't watch television. What's the you're talking about?
0: Yeah. Well, Spill you, the beans, you, you had made reference to your weekly pick. And then oh, yeah. For your, your, your family's enjoyment. And then I got... So, a bunch of years ago, when I first realized the 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 nefarious means of acquiring video content, I uh-huh. made a present for what was my girlfriend's nephew.
2: and technically Yeah, like, it was, like this massive hard drive filled with every kid's cartoon you could find. I remember that. The, the babysitter, the ultimate babysitter
0: 3000 is what I called it. Mm-hmm. And I put every thing or video that I thought a child should watch. And as soon as Chris told me or it came up in conversation... I got excited again just to watch those television shows and those cartoons that like I feel every kid should watch. Now, some may be like a little too grown up for my nephew, like he barely gets you know any sort of context of cartoons. It's, it's Dora the Explorer and pe- this this Peppa Pig and whatnot, but I'm waiting for when it's time for Batman the Animated series and the Superman adventures like. Those are the cartoons that kids should watch.
3: Ooh, hard interrupt! I found out this week that one of my viewers on Twitch introduced his kid to gargoyles at age eight. I was so proud. That's
0: the, that that's the stuff I'm talking about. So like yeah. when when you know you guys made comment about I don't even what is new frontier. What was your what was your pick?
4: World's finest. World's, World's finest. finest.
2: The Batman Superman movie that was basically three episodes of. Uh, the Superman animated series that they squished together where Batman and Superman first meet in the Bruce verse. So mm-hmm. happy to hear that. And like I've been waiting to
0: find out like all the details about how the kids interacted with it and how they enjoyed it and you know living so, vicariously through them.
4: Preface this by saying we finished Dragon Prince. Okay. And then uh tried to tried to let me have a pick. I said, oh, this 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 new kids thing just came out on Netflix. Why don't we watch one and see if you guys like it? And if you don't, no big deal, but whatever. So uh, we watched the first episode of Waffles and Mochi.
1: How well was
3: Yeah,
4: do Waffles go on. and Mochi. Okay. It's, a, it's a kid's show about food, um, uh, yeah. which I thought would mm-hmm. be good for my kids because my daughter likes to cook and my son needs to try more foods. Um, it's done by the Obama's production company and Mrs. Obama is sort of the host of it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about these two like, um, puppet characters who live in a freezer their whole life, but they love to cook. And then one day they stow away in a delivery truck and end up in a, a grocery store where there's all this fresh food they've never seen before because... They live in a freezer, and there's a garden on the roof, um, and that's where uh, Mrs. O, who uh, owns the store, usually works, and she's going to give them a job every time, and Waffles is uh, the child of a, a waffle and a Yeti. He's oh, like a furry looking He's like a furry-looking character, but he has waffles for ears and one on his belly, and then Mochi <laughs> is this little strawberry mochi, just pink like blob the size of your hand. Um,
5: okay.
4: <laughs> well, and they yeah. just go around. It's, it's kind of like Sesame Street, like variety type of way, where they have live segments with chefs. They have animated segments. They have puppet segments. And they teach kids about healthy
3: foods. Is mochi actually the Japanese? Like, it, does it look like a mo- Japanese mochi? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay. That's so cute. It is <laughs> super cute because all it does is meep. Ah! okay <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't speak it just memes and uh it's a super cute show that my kids did not like oh john said it was okay ellie did not like it
3: wow really so
4: yeah i'm kind of surprised by that i mean it was sort of just not their jam it was a little too teachy and not fun enough i guess mm. So, um, so I'm doing a, educational. A,
0: a Google search, and I see with Jack Black was on it, and
4: uh, I guess they was in a further episode that we didn't see.
0: <laughs> it just seems like a, who's the guy from um, Oh, geez, crazy between two ferns.
4: Um, Zach Galifianakis.
0: Yes, he, there's an, there's an image here of Zach Galifianakis, Michelle Obama, and waffles, <laughs> and he's
4: awesome. <laughs> it's okay it's a cute show but my kids didn't go for it but maybe other people's kids would um so when they didn't go for that uh since we've been playing marvel ultimate alliance 3 uh with the kids uh they've been digging on the superheroes so we decided to turn them loose on the other side of the superhero spectrum and show them justice league so we didn't dive into Batman or Superman first. We went straight into ju- Justice League,
2: mostly because Wonder Woman. Because Ellie Wonder Woman, really Ellie likes Wonder Woman. Obsessed, yes, and she John does. really likes Flash, and so the Justice League uh, cartoon. Yeah. Yes, we went right to the Justice League cartoon that 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 I, came out of. Uh, I figured you, you were know, better parents than
0: subjecting them to. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, God. How dare you? It was an
4: interesting week, though, the week that he was, like, taking back the Snyder cut in small chunks, and then we were starting to watch just the Justice League cartoon with the kids. Like, he was just nonstop oh. Justice League.
2: Yeah, two very different versions of it. Yeah. And uh, so for my movie night pick, uh, we finished the first couple episodes of Justice League, and then I was like you know what we should do we should go back and show how batman and superman met because in the first episode of justice league batman and superman know each other and then they meet everyone else right and i was like you know it would be cool let's 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 go back here let's give them a good introduction to the joker and lex Luthor, and 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 have a ball and uh it was it was really cool they both liked it i loved watching it again it's fun how much of it i can recite from a memory and uh (laughs) (laughs) Because it's technically a movie, but it's also technically three episodes of a TV show uh, cut together as a movie, which is uh, it's so good. There's so many good lines in there, but I distinctly remember sitting there watching it. And you get to a scene uh, earlier on when Batman and Superman start working together and Superman's like, Luthor started lining his buildings with lead so I can't use my x-ray vision. And then like 15 minutes later, he's fighting this robot that's got kryptonite attached to it. And it's weakening him, and it picks up a door and smashes him with it, and then Superman picks it up, and he's like, lead line doors, I'll have to remember to thank Luthor. <laughs> and the first, the first thought that came into my head is, this is more clever than anything in all four hours of the Snyder Cut. <laughs> well. And I, I don't mean that as a dig, I mean like, for real, this was more clever and more well-written than anything in that entire movie, and that is really sad. It's True. The best
0: line that came out of that movie was, "This is Alfred. I work for him."
2: Mm. <laughs> yes, that, that was a great line. It.
0: Yeah, <laughs> everything else, not so much.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we can we can we can dive down that rabbit hole if you want, but so far so so far so good on Justice League. Yeah. Uh, we. I the original Justice League cartoon doesn't start out fantastic like mm. it's it's decent but it gets so much better and right now like the second story arc is the trial of Green Lantern and it's like oh boy oh yeah, they're really like heavy, just like quick. They're not hitting us with too many, like, really good things off the bat. Like, all right, now we're in uh, courtroom drama on the other <laughs> side of the universe with uh, Green Lantern, who's being all emo and stuff. Okay, well, the kids are sticking with it, so we're, we're happy. And knowing how good it's going to get from here and how many awesome things are coming, like, I just can't wait for them to meet Darkseid and, like... Psh- Yes. Ah, just Yeah, I,
4: I foresee him taking on like an obsession with the Justice League like he currently has with like Metroid.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think the the mythology of this is really gonna really gonna hit home with him because he's also so we've been playing all the Metroid video games, but we're also playing Us Together, the the Marvel Ultimate Alliance game, and he's picking up on all this stuff from the Marvel games and he's like every he'll be he's more obsessed with Metroid, but he keeps like th- peppering in bits of marvel ultimate alliance in there <laughs> like uh you know so we're gonna fight the queen metroid and mother brain and ultron <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay like who would win in a fight an omega metroid or ant-man
5: <laughs> oh
2: no <know>.
0: that, that, <laughs> that is literally him saying i am your child i am your child <laughs> i am your child i was gonna
4: say how proud are you <laughs> Meanwhile, Um, uh Marvel Ultimate Alliance is how Ellie has adopted a new favorite superhero named Deadpool. Oh (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) Which surprises um,
0: no one on this podcast.
4: Obviously the uh the language is not there in the game and like the violence is is no more than any other character in the game. So like she doesn't really get Deadpool but the the flavor of the character is there he's he's making tacos when he shows up in the game and <sighs>
2: Yeah, his just... reason for joining the Alliance in the game is that Juggernaut was attacking the X-Mansion where Deadpool happened to be prepping for a Taco Tuesday, and <laughs> Juggernaut ruined Taco Tuesday, and therefore he has joined the Alliance to avenge Taco Tuesday.
3: Like you do. Makes sense to me. <laughs>
4: uh, and now all I want is a Deadpool riding a unicorn shirt to fit my four-year-old child, and it I'm doesn't on it. exist. We, I we, mean, come on, guys. We can make
0: that happen. That's absolutely possible. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So much of that story makes you, me happy. You
3: realize <laughs> you just talked to the Unicorn Queen here, right? Like, you want <laughs> She's going to draw that tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I might do it right now. She's
0: probably in the process of it. I, I hear a pencil moving.
3: Currently, <laughs> <so. laughs> I'm furiously sketching.
2: So it's been pretty neat uh, because these have been really good entry points to the world of superheroes for the kids. I mean, we have like the five minute stories and a couple of golden books, but for the most part... um a lot of the the media that's out there for the kids kids their age is a lot of lego and whatnot Mm. and marvel 3 is very comic booky like it's got a lot of movie trappings as far as like the soundtrack and stuff goes but the story is so comic book and like golden age comic book they're not getting super heady with stuff they're talking like old school comic book characters and it's really fun to just blast through and show them an introduction of like what these characters are and what they do and how interesting they are. And then justice league and whatnot. I mean, we can always go back to Batman the animated series and Superman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not a problem. Like, I think justice league is a perfectly fine place to start. Uh, Cause it's not like there is kind of a through line, but really the only thing they're ever going to properly harken back to is um the, an episode of the Superman animated series, which, you know, it's fine if they don't have that in their heads when we get there in Justice League because it's, it's a throwback, but it's not like an essential, like, you need to have watched this for it right. to make sense kind of a thing. Yeah, they you didn't know? do
0: that with the, the cartoons. My favorite thing yeah. about the Justice League cartoon is when they went unlimited and they yeah. introduced so many oh, yes. characters. Like, the that, things that, that you will never see even on a CW show. <laughs> like Yeah, like fantastic. they really did
2: some deep cuts and they did it and they did them all beautifully. That whole cartoon is so, so good. And I can't wait. I just can't wait to keep going with it. I can't wait to get through like season one of Justice League because it's not. I know these first handful of episodes and I just, I just don't remember liking them all that much. Like they're fine, hmm. but they're not the really cool stuff. We're not getting to see the characters really use their powers in interesting ways and, and work together and whatnot. It's just very, like the beginning of the the John Stewart one. Uh, Martian Manhunter gets zapped, and John's like boy that guy gets zapped all the time like what does does he do and like because in the first episode they're like he's our only hope and then he just gets beat up and knocked unconscious like over and over again and then they finally showed him kick some ass in uh in the episode we watched after he got electrocuted and knocked out of the fight for one time and then he came back and kicked some butt i was like see he can do cool things they just knock him out all the time right because you know I don't know reasons
3: <laughs> because because
4: otherwise the out fight would be over in five seconds.
2: And you know, it's and that's one of the things that this show does really well is they play with the fact that like, oh, I mean, sure, Superman feels pain, but he's basically invulnerable. But he gets like knocked out of fights like all the time, and he struggles to do things. Like, yeah, but he's Superman, so this fight's effectively over. <laughs> yeah, we all know
0: how it's supposed to end. So
2: yeah, he's Superman.
4: <laughs> also, my, the kids have uh, really uh taken to my interpretation of the justice league cartoon theme <laughs>
2: right yes <laughs> long long time ago when karen and i watched justice league together which i mean how could i not marry this woman she, i was like we should watch this justice league cartoon it's really good and she actually like went for it so she must have really liked me uh, <laughs> Aww. but we watched it and we watched uh like some of the superman cartoon and we watched Justice league unlimited and she made up lyrics the the theme song,
3: excellent. Oh, that has to be. And
4: now we're not allowed to watch an episode like without me singing it. Like, mommy, can
3: you sing the song?
2: Like she wasn't going to anyway.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Very good, nice. I love that so much.
0: (sighs) That that it's absolutely fantastic to hear that the kids are getting a proper introduction to. I.
3: Let's put it right, okay? The kids are getting a proper cartoon education. That's, That's what's happening true. because they have good parents, and this makes me proud. I mean, am so proud would to know you. You expect anything less from us?
0: Yes, because Chris still likes things like the original Thundercats.
3: Don't you? What? So, not the Thundercats. Hold,
0: hold on. And <laughs> there are that era of cartoons for us. When we go back to some of them, we fondly remember them, but we should leave that information in the past okay so for every original Thundercats there is I don't know what the original Voltron Yeah. Um, some of the stuff does not age as well as others and I know me when I have the proper mind to mold like my little nephew I'm going to show him everything be damned I don't care whether it's good or bad or, or not I watched it you're going to watch it too and you're going to love it <laughs> as much as I did god damn it <laughs>
4: See? Uh, yeah. spoken like me... a person who does not have kids yet? <laughs> where
2: are you getting me being a fan of the original Thundercats
0: though? It was just it was just a random random pick. I remember oh, us yeah. having uh, having I'm conversations. I'm not really much
2: of a Thundercats guy. Never have been. Well, um,
0: I, was it Voltron that we both tried to watch again and went oh no? Well,
2: we both watched the original Thundercats again, like when it, they started airing it on a Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. and I was I got I watched like 15 minutes of an episode and was like mm.
0: <laughs> Hard pass. Then, that, then like we, we were idiots. That's not. <laughs> That's my point. That's what I'm saying. Like we have that fond memory of enjoying it back then. It
2: yeah, it's like things... the original Voltron Like I tried watching that again, and I'm not gonna keep doing that because there's still like you know flavors of cool in there. Don't get me wrong, but like, boo. <laughs> it's... oh
0: boo. Room
3: for improvement. That ain't, that ain't great. No.
0: No, it's just it should be left for for what it was when it was. That's,
2: that's yeah, they've 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 made not uh, they've made better <laughs> things to show our children at this point. And when it comes time to show my kids Voltron, I'll be showing them the the, the, newer, the newer Netflix, Netflix Voltron. Yeah, you know,
5: mm-hmm.
2: I you know, I showed John a little bit of Gen One Transformers because while that's not great, it is. It is decently better. It's still technically watchable. It's decently better than the other stuff, like Thundercats. And
5: did you show the uh, movie?
3: Will you show your children Captain Planet?
2: No, I never really was into that to begin with. So the only Captain Planet thing I liked was that that the, the Don Cheadle one. Don Cheadle version. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're a tree. You're a tree. You're a... anywho.
2: Anywho. Uh, let's see. What else, uh, Karen, did you have more to discuss?
4: I finished Dickinson season two. Um, it was, it was good. Uh, it did one surprising thing, which was, um, the, the guy, the Danny Rand character, uh, Sorry. There what? was, there was, well, the guy who plays Danny Rand from Iron Fist mm-hmm. was on season two and he played the publisher who was going to pum- publish Emily Dickinson's poems. And like, I guess predictably in this kind of situation, uh, Emily kind of develops feelings for him. And you think that he's going to be like a sleaze and like, there are rumors about him that every woman he like works with, he sleeps with, even though he's married. Um, and then, like, he'll turn in the middle of the season, it turns out that uh, he's actually uncomfortable with the way that Emily is treating him, and he loves his wife, and all these rumors just happen because, uh, you know, because he's taken an interest in these women, so people just make assumptions, and he, he's actually faithful, which I was like, I didn't expect that. I thought he was just going to turn out to be a bag because that's what I think about men when I watch TV now um and then and then it turned again where it turned out that he wasn't gonna cheat on his wife with emily but he was gonna cheat on his wife with emily's best friend oh, <laughs> oh great <There> you go. <laughs> yes um so that was you know um
3: actually yeah I'm, I'm gonna say i do kind of like that they 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 messed with your head a little there
4: they did um the show does a good job of subver- subverting expectations, um, in a way. And there was some really funny stuff with her mother this season, and uh, just, just a good time. And then I finished that, and I had enough time to do, uh, to be true to my word, Angie, and I binged all of Firefly Lane. <laughs> okay, tell me everything. I love that noise you just made. <laughs> it was outstanding. Um, it was great.
3: hmm um, I'm so know. sorry. But? I'm so sorry for the end. I couldn't tell you. Uh, forget about the end. I could have used a trigger
4: warning about the friggin' golden retriever.
3: Oh, yeah. That. Yeah.
4: Okay. <laughs> they that had a I family realize... dog that they had to put down because it was, you know, 15 or something. And, oh, wait a minute. And I'm sitting on. there watching it next to my golden retriever going. You
0: just got the golden
4: retriever. Ju- yeah, easy. Like... <laughs>
3: You just got Still her, new. And, you know. Okay, I'm not... I understand that, but she's gonna die someday. Well, okay. So and does the kids every are dog? Be so that
4: kid's age? That's fair. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't blame you. Just I blocked like, it out. I'm hell, not man. gonna lie.
3: I definitely blocked it out.
4: Why? Why did they have to choose the same breed of dog that I have? Because it's um, a great breed. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like reaching out to people. Other people I know have watched the show. Like, did you read the book? Is there like the rest of the story in the book? Because there are a couple big an- unanswered questions in the season finale, and I'm <laughs> like, is there going to be a season two? Do we get to find this out, or is this just now? Because what the hell? Yeah, um,
3: yeah. It's so for anybody who's like, what are you talking about? So the the show had a horrible cliffhanger of an ending. And this whole show has been about their friendship and how they've persevered through the years and they can overcome anything. And the end of the show is making you question. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was really rough, but I'm super glad that someone else has now watched it and enjoyed it as much as I did. I absolutely loved that show. Um, I'm curious to know what you thought about the the characters themselves though, like as, as they were written you mean Tully and
4: kate yes or... okay um so yeah Tully and kate are the two like best friend characters they grew up across the street from each other became friends when they were teenagers and like stayed friends their whole lives into their 40s i guess um i thought that was two really interesting and different ways like the show did overall a really good job of Portraying the female experience in all its like different, different and horrible iterations, Mm -hmm. Um, and the the way those two were so different but still friends um, allowed the show to show like a whole spectrum of things that happen to people and expectations for like what motherhood is going to be like versus what it is like and. Mm the way relationships can go you know and uh friendships and career stuff and uh, misogyny and just i just they they just threw it all in there but i
3: felt like they handled it in a way that it was so gracefully done that it doesn't feel like you're being thrown like evan and i when we watch stuff we often refer to oh they're checking boxes I didn't mm-hmm. feel like this was checking boxes. I felt like this was, I'm writing a story, and these are just things that organically occur in this story. And oh, yeah. They, I mean, they feel so real. And so one of the things, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the show, uh, the two characters are, like Karen said, very different. So Tully this very successful, famous person who everyone sees as this confident, almost like think ellen oprah i don't know anybody famous who run has a talk show and everybody idolizes and she actually is very lonely and isolated and unfulfilled and the only person she's ever really trusted and been able to have a long-term close relationship to is her best friend um it's it's crazy though the way that they show like how she seems to be this warm person who's in the spotlight and she's living this life of like absolute misery but at the same time like she's scared to leave it and doesn't know who she is without it Mm-hmm. so i i really thought that the way that they wrote her really touched on i think the complexity of women who want to feel strong powerful independent successful fierce and just be absolute go-getters because that's who this character is and how even achieving all of those things you can feel the absence of loneliness, warmth, success, power, etc. Um mm-hmm. So I, I really I love that. And I had a friend growing up who unfortunately passed away. And I, uh, she reminds me so much of this character. Like I use, I, I, I really related to the relationship between these two women because I was very much more able to relate to the, the Kate aspect of the teenage versions of them. Um, and and I had, I, I had a woman like that who was just a force of nature. She was, you know, she was so amazing and powerful and incredible. And like, to, to see this woman realize, like in her forties, I'm like, that would have been her, that would have been my mm-hmm. friend. Um, but yeah, I just think it it does a really good job of capturing the complexities, but the, the true, like boundless love that you can have for a best friend. Oh,
4: absolutely and i i get what you're saying about it not ticking boxes it was totally felt authentic not like we're going to show you because you know we need to put these things into our show it was because Mm -hmm. these are things that actually happened to women in these positions Mm -hmm. like you know the way they were treated at work or Mm -hmm. you know the way like tully had her date with the kid at the keg party and then you know was sexually assaulted in the woods and then everybody at school turned around and called her a slut like
5: mm-hmm.
4: how was she gonna win that one but that happens to so many people mm-hmm. and even I really um, I really appreciated the way they weaved in the, the their mothers
5: mm-hmm. and
4: like another show might have just painted it as like oh these are terrible mothers but like the show kind of gave, the, gave enough depth Depth to those characters to say, okay, they're terrible, but this is why they're terrible. Like and the, they had terrible childhoods too.
3: I didn't even think that their their mothers were. Well, I mean, no, the clouds pretty clouds, terrible. Clouds, yeah. Kate's mother wasn't. She was, she was like flawed. quietly terrible. She was a. I just felt like she was a real human, like woman in a in a marriage where she was frustrated and disconnected from her husband and. Mm-hmm you know like the 25 plus years of marriage thing like yeah it was not without its complexities and the husband like he knew he mm-hmm. knew and he acknowledged it and he just like it just kind of shows like especially cuz a lot of the flashbacks in the show occur in the 80s like it just felt so on point for exactly how a a man and woman would have had their marriage run in the 80s like the relationship mm-hmm. that they would have had um and I feel like, I feel like her mother really did try to be loving and caring and kind and open and and to her daughter. But I feel mm-hmm. as though like she had her own struggles and her marital struggles are the thing that I I felt were were the thing that made her look as though she was not a good parent. But I I never really felt like she wasn't. I'll be honest. I, I thought that she was a really good mom overall. It was less that she like um
4: cloud was a like actively terrible mother oh yeah cloud fucking um but margie was uh not she was passively terrible Mm. like there was the you know the thing with the with her cheating on her husband where you know i guess that's just what happened at in those times people got divorced less and like divorce was still like a big stigma Mm -hmm. and um You know being a single woman would have you know with kids a divorced woman with kids would have been a much more of a stigma then um but also like just little things like she kind of saw kate as like perfect all the time and oh you know you wanna you wanna be a good girl you wanna get good grades you wanna like you know meet a nice boy and like she didn't really see her daughter for who she was all the time she loved her for sure but she kind of held that, I guess, that expectation of what, you know, a family should look like a little higher than what her family, like, what was actually going on in her family. Like,
3: her so interesting. son
4: never felt comfortable coming out to
3: her. Yeah. I actually so. did not catch on to that aspect of it. And it makes me want to go back and rewatch it, which I have absolutely no problem doing.
4: Um, <laughs> it was pretty great. I'm actually going to, probably going to be seeking out the book to see what happens, because I don't think I can wait to find out if there is even going to be a season two and then for them to make it.
3: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I'm I'm in the same page there. Um, I'm on the same page. Yeah. Book puns. <laughs> uh, book. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. We could, I so can keep going, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really grateful. Thank you for watching it.
4: Oh, I really wanted to. It was on my list, so I'm glad uh, your having seen it made me take it on anyway, <laughs> boys, we've, we've had enough girl talk.
2: <laughs> well, I had one other thing, uh, that I actually got to, that I was very happy to get to at least the first episode of, which was playing with power. This is the Nintendo documentary on crackle. How do you find these things?
4: <laughs> I mean, I all Nintendo surfing. news is automatically filtered to him.
3: Like, come on. I just like yeah. the way you say crackle.
2: <laughs> this one in particular was interesting because, I mean, I would heard about the documentary and then I had to seek out where it was. Like, oh, oh somebody's, been doing an, somebody's doing an actual in-depth documentary on the history of Nintendo and that comes with a certain amount of expectations. It's probably going to be like... Nintendo was founded a long time ago, then they made some toys. Now let's talk about the NES and Mario and then really focus on uh, the current years. But the first episode, uh, after I tracked down, it was on Crackle, which is apparently a service that's free that you can download and then watch these things for free with commercials. So that was neat. Uh, it's It was executive produced and narrated by Sean Aston. Uh, and they talked to all manner of people uh sp- particularly Howard Phillips who was um kind of like the face of Nintendo way back when uh the NES launched he was this you know goofy dude in a bow tie who worked in the warehouse who uh was this kind of eccentric game master type guy who made a lot of decisions for Nintendo of America because he was you know one of the like six people who worked for the company <laughs> um but uh, contrary to my expectations, the first episode wound up being, I think, like an hour and a half long, uh, which was more uh, longer than I expected it to be. I thought maybe I was watching a bunch of episodes tied together because there are all these different chapters. But then I looked at it as like, no, I, that was the first episode. Uh, and it went all the way back to the formation of the comp- company in September, uh, September 23rd, uh, 1889. And uh, talking about 1889? how Nintendo existed. Was that? 1889. Yeah, Nintendo started in feudal Japan, uh, <laughs> like, making uh, playing cards. Where wow, uh, playing, I really uh, wait. I thought you
0: thought the same thing that he then went sarcastic. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, no they, uh, this is true. This this is true. They started back in 1889 uh, as a playing card company, and they weren't allowed to use. They weren't, you weren't allowed to have regular playing cards in Japan back then with like numbers and suits and stuff because it was tied to gambling. And that was pretty well outlawed in Japan. So uh, Nintendo uh, started by, uh, I forget the guy's first name, but it was the, the first Yamauchi to run the company uh, who founded it. Um, I wish I could remember his name. Steve. He. Uh, <laughs> let's call him Steve. Steam Yama, Steve Yamauchi. Uh, he invented a new card game called Hanafuda. Which uh basically used pictures of the seasons and flowers instead of uh, suits and numbers, which was a, a way of basically skirting the law and he, the the cards were a pretty big success and they went into all that stuff, which uh, which was really cool to see because uh, they interviewed people like Chris Kohler who have you know old Hanafuda cards that were made of paper before they uh, wound up being made of plastic and Nintendo uh, eventually when those laws got lifted Nintendo was the first company to make plastic playing cards um, like the ones that you buy now and oh my uh,
3: god I have a set of these
2: Nintendo playing cards or Hanafuda Hana Hana Hana
3: Hana cards or,
2: yeah you can still buy them they still make them if you go to like a store like a corner store in Japan you can buy Nintendo Hanafuda cards and, and Nintendo playing cards they're, they're
3: so teeny tiny too they're smaller than regular playing cards
2: yeah yeah they're 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 pretty small i have a, a couple of sets myself they're they're really neat i don't know how to play the game but they're they're super cool um so they went they really went all in on this and i i every time i expected them to just jump straight ahead to video games they wouldn't i mean there was kind of a decent gap towards the towards the beginning where they're like well nothing really happened for like 50 years because nintendo just made playing cards. <laughs> not a lot of cool stuff (laughs) happening but then um i think it was this was around when hiroshi yamauchi took over at the i think i think he was 23 when he took over the company uh he was the one who decided that the company needed to start expanding uh, and just making playing cards was not going to be enough and he brokered a deal with disney to have be the first company to license disney's uh characters for playing cards And uh, so that wound up taking off huge, and that got them into inventing toys and stuff with a a guy named Gunpei Yokoi, who uh, was just this, uh, he was a factory worker. And in his spare time, he used spare parts from the machines to make this uh, little hand grabber thing. You ever see one of those things that looks like almost like an accordion where you push them together and the the, the hand extends out on the end? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm that was invented by Gunpei Yokoi for by at by Nintendo and they marketed it he, uh, the president of the company discovered him doing that in like his off hours and like this is a product now you're going to make this <laughs> and they did and it was called the Ultra Hand and how that transitioned into them being a, a toy maker and then into being like a board game maker and then transitioned into like old school arcade type of stuff like you know you there was a live action wild gunman thing where you'd like shoot a light gun and you know a, a video would show like a cowboy getting hit or something like that and uh they the episode ended right when they were getting into uh the nes so i was really impressed by it it's very very well done it tells a lot of it through um miniatures since there's not a lot of actual photography of the things that happened way back then uh so they build all these little like this is what the building looked like. And this is what people were probably doing on the street. And it's all built with these like really cool looking miniatures and they shoot it like these still shots of that. It's very well put together and they have interviews with all sorts of people, including uh, three people that we've interviewed on the stone age gamer podcast, uh, nice. Tommy Talarico, Brett Weiss and Leonard Herman. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Nice. So you say Sean, uh, Sean Austin is the, the, yeah,
2: Host? Sean Aston is the narrator. Uh, and is he talking uh, directly also... to
0: you? Is he using your proper first name as he's doing this? Because this is
2: for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very for me. Uh, it's. It's. It's pretty cool. I. I, I definitely like it. I definitely uh, would recommend it. So far, I'm very impressed by it. Um, that it's been an entire hour, hour and a half, and or however long it was on the actual ancient history of Nintendo. I thought was really cool because you don't. The thing about Nintendo is that they're an extraordinarily secretive company, and even their earliest video games are kind of mysterious, like, because they were failures. They had some decent video games, like arcade games, but before donkey kong hit like they made this game called radar scope which is just a a full-on ripoff of uh, space invaders which is most of their games at the time were not creative in the least they were ripoffs of breakout and pong and stuff Mm -hmm. and so they had this game that was a ripoff of space invaders called radar scope and it was a pretty decent hit in japan and they sent it over to america and they're like all right here it is let's do this thing but american audiences were like the hell do I care if there's another Space Invaders clone? And so nobody played it. The game was a miserable failure, and so that's when they uh, went back to Japan. Howard Howard Lincoln was like, "Yo, um, sorry, Howard Phillips." Lincoln was the one of their lawyers. Howard Phillips was like, uh, "So this game's not selling. We need something else." And so Nintendo went to all of their lead programmers, but they were all busy. They were all working on like the next big ripoff game for Nintendo so they went all the way down to the bottom of the totem pole on one of the designers who used to draw stuff on the sides of cabinets and they said you need to make a game that we can put in america and that happened to be shigeru miyamoto who invented donkey kong (laughs) and invented it as a uh, a conversion kit for uh the radar scope so instead of like here's a whole new machine because they already had all the machines they were like slap some new artwork on the side and take the the chips out on the inside and replace it with this so you can just convert these existing cabinets to this new game and then everyone was scared like how are we going to market a game called donkey kong <laughs> even by video game standards that's ridiculous but you
5: now i today. know i just
2: summarized the whole episode uh, but you know you should still watch it it's very good they do a better job of explaining it than i do
0: <laughs> Oh fantastic
2: yeah i really look forward to watching more of this i'm I was, uh, I mean, I love seeing anything, especially on Nintendo's pre NES history. Like the stuff that I didn't live through, I'm always fascinated to see. And I'm also always fascinated to see different uh, perspectives on the stuff that I did live through, because it's always fun seeing like anything that Howard Phillips talks about is, is fascinating because, you know, he was just this dude in the warehouse that wound up being the face of Nintendo in America for years and years and years. And, uh, all this very unique like one-off stuff weird off-brand looking products and merchandise and it's all so fascinating to me so um and it's not ignoring other history either like there was lots of interviews with like nolan bushnell they had a whole, had a whole thing on ralph bear who was the guy who invented the basic effectively invented the concept of home video games mm-hmm. um it was really, really cool that they went and touched on all the stuff like Atari and why they don't just tell you that these things are important. They explained why they're important. And that's the sign of a good documentary. So, so, so
0: it's, it's, it's it's a video game documentary that highlights specifically Nintendo, but it's giving you background on a lot of other aspects as well.
2: Yeah. As like, like um the, uh, the, the YouTube series that I, I've obsessively watched uh, uh, Jeremy Parrish's Video Works series. He focused everything on Nintendo at first, and that's always going to be the focus of his uh, of his, his series, where he goes through game by game and does a complete documentary-style history on every single game released for these platforms. But he's now decided to go back and do these other mini-episodes that talk about, like, well, we're doing Game Boy works, right? So we're talking about all of the the games released on the Game Boy, but you can't really understand why these things were so impressive. If you don't know what was also coming out on the Atari Lynx and the game, the Sega game gear at the time, because there's, you have to understand the bigger picture. It's not just in a vacuum of just the releases that were coming off for Game Boy. You have to look at it as if for real historical perspective, you have to look at the world at that time. Right. And so when you flesh out that kind of stuff and do it in such an intelligent manner, uh, I, I, I'm i very impressed. So, so far of all the gaming documentary series that have been uh, popping up, which I've enjoyed. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the last one I talked about on this show that Karen watched most of with me. Um, but this one's, this one was very, very cool. I liked it a lot. Cool. So what about you, Evan?
0: Well, <laughs> I'm still pound, you know, slogging through Last Man Standing because I can't stop. Um, I see too Can't much of, stop, won't stop. I, I see too much of my, my mind and Angela's relationship in the show, which is, I don't, it's really weird to say. Um, I also, I'm
3: totally the Tim <laughs> Allen character. It's so
0: true. Um, <laughs> and we, okay, okay. So the other day I, I felt this need to watch what's uh, the girl, the, the actress from Zoe's extraordinary playlist.
3: Sub- oh you're talking about sub not suburbia but suburgatory Suburbatory, yeah
0: which I it's a, it's a show that I just she is the lead actress in it it's about you know this Manhattan father and daughter move to suburbia and it's her and she this this woman has not aged at all in the 10 years that has passed um very entertaining Angela and I sat down to watch that for for a minute um, we caught up with Resident Alien <laughs> and
2: laugh and laugh and laugh. Um, God, where are we on that? We're
4: six, six or seven episodes.
2: Karen's been getting ridiculously sleepy at night, so she fell asleep during the last episode we were yeah, watching. Yeah, I fell and asleep I like,
4: in the middle of the episode. Seven. And I'm
2: like ratcheted by it, like. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what's happening. And then like, she's asleep. I'm like, oh, we got to stop. She's missing too much stuff. We, we, <laughs> like, made, it the it, we episode made it to seven.
0: He... Episode seven. But I don't know. I, I, I got a, I, I did not like the wife when she showed up. I don't know. Yeah, She needs
3: to stay gone forever. Thanks. But that, that's,
0: that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> I I he was is, very he a amused by it. national treasure.
2: <laughs> he didn't seem to like her all that much either. Very <laughs> I was very amused. I was very amused by that. She was a weird character. <laughs> it's.
0: I was it's awake
4: such... for the Nathan Fillion cameo. Ah, oh,
3: so good, right?
0: <laughs> you know what? We were watching together on the couch, and I was, you know, kind of tired. And that whole interaction happened, and then Angela and goes, "Did you hear that?" And I went, "What? The octopus talking?" She's like, yeah, did you, did you hear that? And I went, no. So yeah, like, rew- he wasn't
3: like, reacting at all. And I was like, are you broken? <laughs> I,
0: it, <laughs> and Do I you was, need to reboot, then, sir? Then when, when I rewound it, I went, oh, shit.
3: About time they got
0: that cameo in there. Because you knew they were going to shoehorn him in somehow. Um. So, yeah, he, that is still a fantastic show.
3: Nathan Fillion is my favorite octopus.
0: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um. We in my travels of looking for more paranormal kind of stuff. (laughs) Okay, so two stories. One, I downloaded this show called Ghost Brothers, which is a ghost hunter show, but the cast is all I'm gonna say late twenties African American men, who in one of the episodes looked to the 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 homeowner and went, "You gots to get out of this house." Which doesn't really instill
3: confidence in
0: the, the, the paranormal like, inspecting kind of thing. For
3: context, though, it's because every other show, it's like, we're going to do the best that we can. And we're going to make sure that you feel safe and comfortable in your home. And then these guys turn around like, nah, you're going to die. Oh, no. Oh, no. You got's
0: gots to go. So I watched a couple of episodes of that. But lastly, we watched the first episode of... Falcon and Winter Soldier.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've been How did we forget to talk about that?
3: Because uh, we've got a lot
0: we going on. We've got a lot on. going on. Um, I don't know why we haven't watched the second one yet. I don't either. Because, because it's just time kind yeah. of thing. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. But I, I feel I've been... like So with WandaVision, that feeling of not having any idea what's going on and wanting to like figure that Rubik's cube out that's not what this is this is absolutely not this is a show this is a superhero show which
4: this is standard marvel fare
0: it's and it's great but there's a lot of questions about you know people's places in the world kind of thing and for the entire entirety of the week before watching that episode i didn't watch it as it released it was a week old there was that meme going around when you buy (laughs) captain america from (laughs) Mm wish.com
5: and they show that
0: picture of the guy i finally got to see that and i went oh my what why
2: that that's the stuff of nightmares why are we doing so
0: i
3: got some real the boys vibes (laughs) not gonna lie
2: oh man it's episode two is so interesting it's it's Go in some places that I didn't necessarily expect it to, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Uh, but that actor is really freaking wild. I'm trying to find this picture right now. Uh, there are five pictures of him that do not look like the same person.
3: Oh, good. It's insane. Like It was the It's the same guy.
2: Right. But it is like every angle, this guy looks like a totally different person. It's really weird. Oh.
4: All well, I have to say about him is that John Walker ain't shit. <laughs> Not my Captain America. Hell what yes. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I, you guys I, are really going to enjoy episode 2. There's some excellent Sam and Bucky moments. Nice. That's
0: what that's like that's the part that I was really hoping for. Now I get the stage setting of their own independent worlds, like I got mm-hmm. that, but I wanted some solid Falcon oh you and get yeah
4: that's
3: episode
2: so, two the, yeah they
4: just uh you <laughs> right know, at they, the get-go they okay, didn't okay. get there in episode one but they sure did in episode two for sure that's
3: fine i was really worried because they showed that captain america and i was like that's not the ass that represents america No,
4: from behind and i was like that is not america's ass like <laughs> the guy has no ass jesus mm-hmm.
0: i forgot that falcon had blipped uh-huh. And Then the whole storyline of his family dealing with while he was away and know, all that stuff like it was it was heart wrenching. It's like it's not what I expected this show to be because the title is Falcon <laughs> Soldier. I expected, you know, shield throwing in that like I expected the first f- 10 minutes of the episode where he's flying around fighting aerial battles, which they do that so amazingly with no, his, like his combat skills with mm-hmm. the wings and all that. They they do that so, so well. Um,
3: what did I say to you? I turned to you and I was like, I think I have a new favorite Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm obsessed with anything that flies and has wings. And, like, they did so well with the animation. And he's, he's very charismatic. So, like, he's kind of just winning.
2: Oh, God, just wait till you watch episode two, man. There's so much good stuff like that. But there's also the team up of him and Bucky is, I mean, if you you remember what they were like in winter soldier in winter soldier, like those (laughs) two bicker. And here's, yeah. So
3: here's the thing about all this is that I'm going to tell you, I am struggling with this because I am so out of the loop of the MCU. And it has been such a long time since I've watched any of the movies that I legitimately don't remember half of the things, if not more, that have gone I on. think you'll be okay.
2: Yeah, I think you'll ultimately be okay, but I do think that it's worth rewatching them.
4: Just I watch yeah, it. It always fun. is.
2: You guys do that I
0: I feel like you've done it multiple times. Um Oh yeah. I when on I, our own, we've done it multiple times, yes. <laughs> when, I, when I when I when I do a rewatch per se, it's I put on a comic book movie on in the background as I'm doing something else because I can tune in at any point in time and go, Yes, I remember where we are, go. And not have to pay attention to it fully. But I feel like with the world that they are broadening in these television shows, that a rewatch may be beneficial, if not necessary, to make it, make yes. it, the shows more
2: enjoyable.
3: Do it. I, I,
2: I would definitely recommend it because, I mean, this one's bringing in Zemo. And that's, if you don't remember Civil, uh, civil War, then
0: you're probably
5: not you just said a name and cry. i was like Maybe. when did they who
2: please be a secret door
0: please be a secret door please be a secret door.
4: yay yay <laughs> <laughs> i remember <that. laughs> um yeah and i think um, that was age of ultron <laughs> the the um the blip is right. i like the way it's factoring into the plot of falcon and winter soldier or uh what do they call it falcon and bucky show on nerdist <laughs> um it's, I mean, it is shorter and easier to say.
0: Well, yeah, the Winter Soldier has a very negative connotation.
3: Like, it should be tricky. Exactly. I think that's the point, um, though. I don't know.
4: But the uh, motivation of the, like, the big bad, or at least the apparent big bad thus far, is that these terrorists like the way it was during the blip. They like mm. the way the world was during the blip, and they want to bring it back to, to that how it flag, was.
0: Flag Smasher? That, that, yes. The, the group that they're going with? the
4: mm-hmm. baby. So I think that's an interesting concept because I definitely feel like if that was real that there that contingent of people would totally exist and be mad that the people who came back like are getting all this aid that they're not that, that the people who never left aren't getting. Mm. So uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting conflict to explore and I think it would be beneficial for to to go back and at least to God damn it! End game, so you can you can see the like what the world was like during the blip,
5: mm-hmm. right?
0: Well, that's 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 all I got. Uh, I, I can't even think of anything else that is. It's kindred spirits. More like I watch a lot of ghost hunting shows. Damn,
3: and only sure when you? we're going to bed, which is really great <laughs> oh, for my. That nightmares. was the second story.
0: Okay, so <laughs> we were watching, um, para- uh, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Oh, no. Now, normally it takes about. It takes Angela about four and a half minutes for her to fall asleep. That's on the high end. Once we hit the bed, I'm up for at least a half hour. She's out in four minutes. Um, We were watching this one episode where this gentleman from North Carolina, it's, you know, the paranormal caught on camera is a video that someone shoots and then that person, like, introduces the video. And then they have these other people talk about the video, apparently, you know, like, you know, specialists or, you know, Wonders in their field. This hard tape tape. air
3: quotes <laughs> on specialists. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, this wonderful field. Anywho, uh, this southern dude was talking about. He like he heard something in his house, and and then he was by himself, and he was videotaping, and then he walked out because he got scared, and then it, he took. He was trying to get his girlfriend on the on the phone, and he did, and it about t- 10 two minutes? hours. No, no, he no. was
3: outside for two hours before nope. he went back in.
0: No, that was the second time he went back in like after 10 minutes and every cabinet in the kitchen was opened.
3: Oh, that part. yeah. Okay? No, no.
0: And every, oh, and then what? he pans and he sees that the chairs are on the floor, all the cabinets and drawers are open. And his reaction was, nope, 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 nope. And he <laughs> ran back outside, which made me laugh. Now, the rest of the, the, this part of the episode was them re-showing that video that he took. And it's people talking about that. And at one point in time, he, they, they screen capped it. And then they zoomed in to a a doorway in the back corner that apparently was his daughter's bedroom. Mm. And in the, the top right-hand corner, there is what looks to be a head sticking through like looking out the door from the top of the door frame,
3: but it's like it's as if something is holding onto the ceiling because the fucking head is upside down <laughs> and it has black eyes. It's a black eyed kid. it is this soulless black eyed horrible, atrocious fuck you so, so much right now so what? I see this Ugh.
0: she she nopes immediately. And because she's now wide awake. And I say, honey, they're going to show that at least eight or nine (laughs) more times because that's the thing that the show does. And I counted it. It was 11. And every time they re-showed the screen, she cursed at the screen. (laughs) Uh,
3: Because I would like I would start like kind of being like, "Okay, I think maybe they're done now. And
0: then right on the screen again. Oh, my God. It was was so so fun. It was so much fun for Evan.
3: that was that and was that not good. That is why I
0: watched the paranormal shows for interactions like that.
3: That like that one actually got me. For most of the stuff, I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Great special effects, blah blah blah. Who cares? But this one, like, I just, I was like, uh, uh, mm, no, 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 and no to all of this forever. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all I got. <laughs> it was a, that was almost as bad as that freaking gin in the mirror. That stupid little like hair the, the, covering the, the face ring that child evil. No, there was hair. There were individual strands. There was fucking hair. It moved.
0: <laughs> so what did you watch, honey? <laughs> uh,
3: honestly, I don't really know. I've, I'm back on uh, Great British Baking Show. Hooray!
0: Yeah. I always apologize for that too. Like every time I walk into the room, like you think you uh, you think I want you to shut that show off, and it's it's. Depending on the, the host,
3: <laughs> because you can't handle the stress.
0: Well, no, you see, it's not the stress. Who's that one um, slender, like middle aged woman with the, the dark haired one? Yeah, it's the dark short, shorter dark haired woman.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: or is Sue. that Mel? Uh, I thought it, maybe it's Mel. It's the it's the one who she's got like it's actually black hair. She's got the black yeah, hair. Yeah, it's and, Mel. Yeah, Mel okay. has a problem
0: with touching. Like she touches everything, and that really bothers me. <laughs> Like as people are trying to bake or or fix their things, she's always touching something. And that's that other than that I, I can watch that show quite, they make delicious things and then but they he, get insulted he, for it. Which, but he ooh, has, so me. he
3: gets, he gets really uncomfortable though. Cause when it gets towards like the end and they if somebody like screws up halfway through and they're like, the clock is ticking, you know, like whatever he'll be like, Oh, this makes me so uncomfortable. Let me know when it's done. Or like, they'll be carrying the cakes up at the end for the oh, final oh, bake. No, no, no. And yeah, like that, like he's like, uh, uh-uh. like he does actually get uncomfortable for them because he doesn't want anything bad to happen. Um, so his, his compassion for these people who don't know he exists is quite hilarious to me and very sweet. Um, but he does get genuinely stressed out over it. And so I have to be like, okay, you can look at the TV now. Um, Uh, this is Evan's horror (laughs) movie, (laughs) but yeah, so I've, I've watched a little bit of that and... I really I really haven't watched much else anything else that we've been watching we've we've kinda watched together my work schedule has been absolute hell, and I'm doing video editing, so I guess that's the television I've been watching, which uh doesn't really count for me it's not not as enjoyable as you would think but uh yeah
0: we um, did we did carve out four and a half hours. Out of two weeks to watch the Snyder cut,
3: too. We did, we did. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say that if anything, we've either covered it already or, you know, it was. Don't need to. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah.
2: Give, yeah, me, give me I a two-minute no thought on it. Give Give me a two-minute thought on that.
3: Snyder cut.
2: Yeah. My expectations, okay, ready? I got this. I can
3: do this in less than 30 seconds. My expectations of anything that DC puts out, especially if Zack Snyder's name is attached to it, is so low that I actually thought that this was acceptable, which makes it borderline good in my book.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, feel the opposite of that. Everything about this was swill, and the benefits at the end of it do not outweigh the horrors that were at the beginning. (laughs)
3: If he ever does another movie and puts that much slow-mo in it, I feel like someone should kill him in slow motion.
2: (sighs) Oh, he will. And much like this one, the next movie he'll do, the first 15 minutes will be the the end of the last movie in slow motion. Uh,
3: Oh, my God. The first hour of this movie. We watched... Twenty-five minutes and nothing happened.
0: One actual conversation happened between Batman and Aquaman that led to nothing except a really creepy song singing to this guy walking into water.
2: <laughs> yeah, it just like busted out weird. his song. Like, there he goes. We should start singing at him <laughs> and then <laughs> and sniffing sniff his, sweater. his clothes.
3: <laughs> and what was with okay? So the edits, the edits were very disjointed. Evan, Evan, and I both observed that while we were watching it. But what was the freaking deal? Like every other character, when they would attack it would just be whatever the action soundtrack was in the background and then when wonder woman attacked it wouldn't be like her like it was it was like
5: hey, yeah yeah yeah, like, I was yeah like, it was
2: just fuck? just the yodeling noise or whatever ah, yeah. every
3: yeah. time
2: zena
5: esque.
3: yeah it was like it and was like, like a like poor man zena throughout the movie yeah
4: what the hell you should send them that the pitch meeting youtube oh, video definitely. you had me watch yeah.
0: Oh, so, I'll send that your way. There's one huge thing that. that bothered the hell out of me. because 15 I am a-
2: minutes of watching Superman's death scream Sus- travel to literally every place oh on the planet. Once, oh you get, once
0: you know that's going to happen, you that's dealable. The fact of the matter is this is a superhero <laughs> movie. And the fact that a widescreen image was cut <laughs> to 4.3 <sighs> oh. as an afterthought is fucking ridiculous. He did not frame anything properly anything there was there was a scene where there was a wonder woman was looking at stuff on a wall and she was holding a torch and the torch flame flickered in and out of the scene that's not proper framing okay when <laughs> comes to comic books there's things called uh tangent lines like if it breaks the that's not good that's a well, comic that's book. art
3: that's art in general but yes
0: okay so his excuse was, "I'm doing it this way to make things seem larger." Okay. Fucking idiot. Now I get that, but I saw this meme that totally debunks that because it was a picture of a hole. Okay, and this hole looked massive, but it was a four by three picture Zach of just Snyder's a hole. massive hole. Yes. Okay, and the 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 point of perspective is to put something else in that image. So that you can compare it. So that when you show this hole next to, let's say, a dollar bill, the hole was the size of a quarter. That does not instill size. You have to have something else to show how big something else is. Okay? So when you put half of Batman on the screen and share it with the shoulder of Wonder Woman as it's doing this weird, awkward pan, nobody looks big. Nobody has has shown fully. And that just, like... I spent so much money on a television that I didn't watch. Like, stop being a pretentious prick.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if you heard, if you've edited any of last night's Stone Age Gamer podcast, you heard me talk an awful lot about how uh, he he didn't think through anything. That that but, sums up the entirety of the thing. It's like we're not gonna think through any of this stuff. And and I was talking to another friend of mine about how uh the uh, man of steel was like the the uh, it really just laid the groundwork for all this when pa kent died yeah i want pa kent to be dead okay how are we gonna do this i don't know all right we'll, well get killed by a tornado okay well why didn't clark save him i don't know he was standing right there why didn't he save him uh because he didn't want to know his secret identity right it's gonna it, it, but his dad's gonna die it's like Okay, these six people will know who you are or know that you have superpowers or your dad's going to die. And we're cool with him just being like, "No, no. I'll die. Have a good day." It's everything is this I want thing to happen. I don't he care how it happens. Why. I just want thing to happen. Okay, and you let's need to trust me because I'm the director.
3: Let's take that a step further. In that movie, the main reason, well, <laughs> one of many reasons. I hated Man of Steel. He killed somebody at the end of the fucking movie. Superman doesn't kill people. Okay, jump to this movie. Everyone slaughters people.
0: Wonder Woman murdered, like, six people in front of a classroom of small female <laughs> children. And
3: then the little girl looks up at her and goes, oh, my God, I love you. I'm- Can uh-huh. I be like you?
2: A murderer?
0: Yeah. Like, not only... Okay, let's let's take the murder aside and the, the one dude that was lying in a pool of his own blood. She destroyed a, a
2: museum. The museum that she was trying to stop from blowing up, she blew up. Mm-hmm.
0: And she's really relying on that made-up wrist bracelety blasty thing that I don't remember from comics. Because like,
3: she's tapping into the power of the gods now, honey. Zack Snyder has the power of the gods gosh. in his writing.
2: Well, I mean, did you see Wonder Woman eighty <laughs> four?
3: There's plenty of bullshit
0: in that one. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we know I hated that. We know. We know. I just, I just.
0: <laughs> and what kills me is that I have dozens of animated episodes and, tel- and 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 animated movies and of DC characters DC properties that are so good so but they're good. not
4: for grown-ups evan
2: yeah okay <laughs> oh, they're not scowling and looking at you because they're for grown-ups they're not like I heard him
4: childish to me saying that I'm like <laughs> not these and you know some cartoons to piss you off. for grown-ups I'm a grown up I'm a big ass man And
2: I want to watch Superman He's wearing wearing a black costume Why? Who the fuck cares? (laughs) So do
0: you know the reason why the the black costume?
2: No there wasn't one
0: No no not in the movie in the, in oh, the well, comics.
2: yes, I know the reason in the, for the black costume outside okay. of the movie. I'm saying in the movie, yeah. it was like, oh, shit, these guys, I remember who I am now. These guys brought me back to life. This has got to be important. I should go find out what that wardrobe is. Change. But first, wardrobe change. wardrobe <laughs> change. I'm going to go to my ship. I'm going to walk around. And I'm going to put on a black outfit. Why? Who the fuck cares? Why? <laughs> fuck you. That's why, because I want to be wearing black so, so I can show up at the- just the right moment and punch the shit out of Steppenwolf, who never stops moving. <laughs> Did that not piss you off? He'd be standing no, perfectly no. still in <laughs> these little tiny jiggers all over his body. You're just going... What well, <laughs> bothered
0: me the most is that what I know that, that that dude had a mustache in the comics. Like, he yeah, was a he human was dude. He a
2: mustache.
0: <laughs> Where'd the mustache go? Now he's just a go? walking
2: letter T. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: goodness gracious. I think there was too much... Too much in this... Even, like...
3: So, I enjoyed enough of the action that I was able to take something good away from it but like I said I have really fucking low standards for anything that Zack Snyder touches Well, the, the, so. the
5: second
2: second half there were some was cool fine. bits in there there were yeah. like these brief moments where you're just like see you can do this this isn't that hard assu- you can do I, this I, I assume
0: it's like the second AD or something doing that that so Zach didn't have much to do with those parts that's what I'm just guessing
2: Oh, I'm pretty sure Zach had something to do with every piece of that movie. I mean, he's not incapable of making things look cool. I mean, that was the entire premise of 300. There was no plot there. It was just, let's make something that looks neat for a couple hours. And then he did. And 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 that was
0: it. He took a comic and moved it. That's what he did. Yeah. And then when we trust him to do
2: something other than that, (laughs) it's. Yes. (laughs) Oh. Anywho, and people love <laughs> well, it. Yeah, they know. are like, um, they're, they're loud and they're just like, oh, restore the Snyderverse is the most tweeted thing, more tweeted than Avengers Endgame. Therefore, Snyder Cut is better than anything Marvel has ever done.
1: We win. We're the best. DC's the best, and it's for fucking grown ups. Batman kills people. Superman wears black. Restore the Snyderverse. For a guy and who
0: doesn't, who, for a dude who no. made it a point to not use a gun. He's got a lot of fucking machine guns attached to his, his or like his planes and cars and shit. A lot. The amount of bullets that Batman went through in this movie is astron- I think he had rockets too at one point in time.:
3: His kill counts on par with Hitler. Like it was crazy. Yikes.
2: <sighs> yeah. The movie gets a big the more I think about it, the angrier, angrier I get about it, because it's not like it, it's not like it can't be done. It's just that they're refusing to do it, and that they gave this to Zack Snyder in the first place, and that there are so many people so very loudly proclaiming. And these are the same people that were just, just shitting all over the Star Wars movies. Like, yeah. you want to talk about movies with problems, those got, those have got problems, but these people are like, no, fuck this, this is garbage, this is trash give me Zack snyder's justice league with superman and batman i want leather clad penises on my screen at all times none of this mary sue bullshit you want a mary sue look at fucking superman what a mary sue huh god people are the worst and it's just just hailing this movie like the second coming people are talking about that joker scene was the best interaction batman and the joker have ever
0: had in any medium fuck you
3: Nope. Incorrect. Jared Little, I'm sorry you fail you may be super crazy In real life but it's not translating Well to your character as the Joker You suck
2: Yeah and, by no stretch of the Like that scene was <gasps> so I, I didn't get it I, I mean I understood was what no was happening I just didn't understand why I was watching it like, yeah. Why is this here the movie yeah, well, ended already they Stop have to, They
0: have to make sure that you know that there were plans for another thing That maybe If you voice your opinion enough That other thing might happen so but let's that's start the problem. Is that Godzilla like Kong to make your point known that Warner
2: Brothers should be paying attention more to Zack Snyder? Stop. But like everything that Snyder did, it was not thought through because what by adding that to the end of the movie, you made the entire movie pointless.
3: Yes, that was my entire. Go- okay, sorry. It's
2: like oh, they lost anyway. Oh, everything ends anyway. Oh, okay, cool.
3: Thanks. So I will say the only reason I'm not as enraged as you are is because I came to terms a long time ago with the fact that Zack Snyder is walking garbage and that I will never truly be able to appreciate or enjoy anything he makes and that he is incapable of doing good in this world so
0: i mean don't sugarcoat it honey tell me how you truly feel no
3: we all know if listen if you haven't already listened to an episode where i've talked about how much i hate zack snyder guess what i hate zack snyder and he should die in a fire so my thing is that 35 movies (laughs) i feel that when it comes to zack snyder touching this this property um he should be charged with assault, but also (laughs) the, the reality is like my ex, like I said, my expectations of this were so low that I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm like, great. What did you do? All right. You made some moments that I enjoyed and actually wanted to watch out of your four hours of trash. I got about 45 minutes of enjoyment. That's 45 minutes more than I ever expected to get after Seeing you make anything DC related, so kudos, kudos.
0: There's not, there's nothing that Zack Snyder has done other than, um. So
2: what did he have to do with Suicide Squad?
3: Oh no, Suicide Squad was the worst. Okay, because I'm trying to. It was,
2: it was just because it was his universe. Okay, so so he was like the the, the Kevin Feige character, you know,
0: giving him credits on these things. Like I don't see anything else. On his list that is worthy of speaking about.
3: I like... Okay, so didn't he work on 300 and Sucker Punch?
0: 300. He
2: directed 300. That's why people know who he is. That's it, but that's it.
3: 300 and
2: and Sucker Punch. So
3: of the Dead. Yeah, okay. So he's worked on movies that I have liked, but the thing is, like... I'm I'm talking about his stuff in relation to DC. Like, this is my problem with him having contact with the dc universe outside of the context of this conversation i'm like meh zack snyder you're not my favorite you kind of suck but when it comes to dc that's where i'm like you just did everything wrong and now people are praising you for it and you're the worst
0: failing upwards Mm -hmm. he did he did do um legend of the guardians the owls of gahool
3: yeah i don't care he's still that's not a dc property he's still failing upwards to the point where he broke gravity physics don't apply to zack snyder (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> all right. So, all right.
2: We should stop this or we're just going to keep doing this all night. And we have some great stuff to talk about
3: in the yes, second we half. Do. Yeah, we have good things to talk about.
2: Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, stick around for a little bit. We're going to do some commercials. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mystery Science Theater 3000. You're listening to this week's episode from Geeky.com. Stick around.
4: We've got commercial side. <laughs> <Yay. laughs>
2: And now, here's a quick look at some of the other original content, available now from our partners and GeekAid.com.
3: First up, Matt Ramo. Matt Much. What more do you need? What more could you possibly want? Well, how about those two gentlemen playing D&D with some friends live for your entertainment and theirs? On the GeekAid Twitch channel, these fine folks have been embarking on an extraordinarily long campaign that's taken them on many strange and hysterical adventures will they finish it this week? Probably not but there's only one way to find out for sure tune into twitch.tv/ geek aid to watch the world's longest running one shot this Saturday, April 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time fantastic
0: one take that's what I'd like <clears throat> Next, is there anything more enjoyable in life than watching Dean, the Vestlord Lord D. Falco, be frustrated? Chris, from this very podcast, created an entire... Wait, created...
3: Oh, not one take for you. Inti- well,
0: the, the little pink thing, Chris is moving his cursor around and it vanished. Me, that's
3: not me. That's Karen. Don't uh. you blame me.
0: <clears throat> Chris, from this very podcast, created an entire game's worth of levels in Super Mario Maker 2. An entire game's worth? Holy crap, I only thought you did a level or two. Uh, for, for Super Mario <laughs> Maker 2 nope. for the Nintendo Switch. And they are, let's say, difficult. Especially if you're not good at platformers, like our friend Dean is tune into twitch.tv slash vest underscore Lord and watch Dean struggle to complete Chris's Mario world he's on world eight but can he do it not without your help he can't he' has many- been stuck on the same level for
2: like three days
0: and how many did you act what's a, what's a, what's a game's worth out of
2: eight like uh I think there's 42 please say something like that. <laughs> Oh, well, there's like six levels, per, six or seven world, levels per world. So, and I filled eight worlds. So, nice. yeah, I mean, a whole game.
3: That's amazing. Also, I can't wait. I, that's got to be so great to watch him play. He must be so furious all the time. Oh, it's there's great. There's nothing better <laughs> in this I've world. I've really
2: been enjoying it.
3: <laughs> it's a struggle
4: because he wants to show it to John, but it's just not kid friendly. <laughs> 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 like, John would get such a kick out of watching it if he could.
2: I have definitely stumbled into his stream a couple of times in the middle of him talking trash about me and me making these levels. (laughs) And then him immediately notice I'm there and be like, look, I'm sorry. I'm just not very good at this. The levels are good. I'm just not good. And then like other people on the stream will be like, well, I just loaded up this level and I got farther than you in about 15 minutes. So you suck.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good times. Good times, indeed. Okay. Finally, on an all-new episode of the Stone Age Gamer Podcast, Dan and Chris hit up their usual monthly topic, the 10-20-30-40. Each month, they look back at notable releases from the previous month, 10, 20, 30, and 40 years ago. This time around, they covered stuff like Video Pinball for the Atari 2600, the arcade game Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, Dance Dance Revolution for PlayStation, and more. Dan also painted his house, which, if you know these guys, means there was lots of unnecessary landscaping and chocolate milk discussion. Don't miss the Stone Age Gamer podcast, episode 352, Overtly Racist Bear.
2: For all this great content and more from us and our partners, be sure to keep your eyes on geekade.com. And we're back, where we are ready to ask the question, what is it about the gates of hell that compels people to wander into them? (laughs)
0: Smuckers. Smuckers. It's a
2: Smuckers <laughs> raspberry jam. It tastes like real fruit. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so I this um, the Chief McLeod bit came up in conversation somewhere, and uh, that's when I just decided, okay, we're gonna watch Pod People because uh, this is one of my favorite pieces of television ever. Um, all right, so I have a weird history with Mystery Science Theater. I. Uh, I love video games, as you may or may not know.
0: I just put something together.
2: What's that? Okay.
0: Finish your story because something happened to us while we were watching this and it'll ring true once you if you fully explain everything about Mystery Science Theater.
2: Go. Okay. So for me personally, uh, I way back in the old days, um, we didn't really have a home a home computer because that wasn't the the most common thing in the world when i was a little kid right Mm -hmm. and then as we got a little bit older my friends had had home computers but we didn't have a pc my my dad had like a an old the original macintosh from way back when i was really little and eventually he brought home a pc and uh it came with a handful of games and then like a month or two later he got a disc from somebody at work that had the original doom (laughs) on it Nice. And uh, he was like, Chris, you got to see this game, which is was a weird shit. thing, <laughs> which was a weird thing for my dad to say because he didn't care about video games. But he just uh, he also loves ultra violence, like ridiculous stuff, just like me. If it's completely ridiculous, com- comedic, comedic, over the top violence, there's just something about it. And he he loaded up Doom because somebody at work gave it to him and he thought it was hilarious. And I immediately became just obsessed with the original Doom. Such an amazing game. And Eventually, uh, a friend of mine gave me this CD add-on that had all these weird modifications for Doom. Uh, And he gave it to me because one of the modifications was Army of Darkness Doom, where they replaced a bunch of sound effects from the game with uh, voice clips from Army of Darkness, which I thought was hilarious. One of the other files that was on there was something called MST Doom. And I didn't understand any of it, but they, every single thing made me laugh hysterically. Like, I, you'd pick up a power-up and they'd go, Mitchell! And I just would start laughing. I, I, it, it, there were just these really funny phrases, and I had no idea where they came from. Fast forward a year or two, we're in, uh, what's it, a blockbuster video looking for something to rent And I found the Mystery Science Theater 3000 section of VHS tapes. And I picked up pod people. (laughs) And he hasn't left since. (laughs) And that was the first proper exposure to Mystery Science Theater. And there were voiceovers from there that I recognized from MST Doom. And I was like, oh my God, MST is Mystery Science Theater. This This is amazing. And so then I kept seeking out more and more episodes after that. But... Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand was was introduced to me via this episode uh, that I found on VHS in a Blockbuster video, and if you've never seen the show before, it's the story of Joel Robinson, who has been uh, who used to work at Gizmonic Industries as a uh, a janitor, and he gets launched into space and is tortured by two mad scientists to watch bad movies so they can monitor his mind. And when he eventually goes crazy, unleash him on an unwitting public and take over the world the plot doesn't actually make any kind of sense which is fine because as the theme song says it's just a show i should really just relax um he can't control where the movies begin or end because he used the parts that allowed him to do that to build his robot friends crow t robot tom servo Cambot, and gypsy and uh that's the plot of mystery science theater and so well, i i like this series the most because uh the, the Joel era in particular, or before it went to Comedy Central, back when the mad scientists were still on in particular, with with Trace Bulliu and, and Frank Coniff as uh Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank, because I think the host segments are actually funny. Mm-hmm. Uh later on when it was on uh Comedy Sen- uh sorry, on, on Sci-Fi Network, the host segments were occasionally funny, but I didn't really enjoy them much. I didn't think uh, the stuff with Pearl, Pearl and Bobo and Brain Guy was funny most of the time. I just really still loved the riffing of the movies, but the host segments just didn't really catch me. I love these old host segments. They're so cheesy and so stupid, but in a, a kind of endearing and, and sort of funny way. Um, so, I, I mean, I'll gush about this all night long, but I'm very curious what you guys all thought of it. I know Karen had seen it before and she fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> Uh, I did
4: finish watching it later Um, And this is no Like knock on the movie The night we chose to watch it Uh, We left the house as a family three separate times that day, which is, like, more times than we've left the house as a family the entire year previous. (laughs) Damn. (laughs)
3: Oh, dang.
4: Um, Like, so it was just an exhausting day. And the movies have the, you know, old movie sound quality to them that is just very gently, like, works on your... Subconscious to make you want to go to sleep, so I was just mm-hmm. exhausted, and I've also seen this before a bunch of times. So as much as it is funny, like I I don't know,
2: <laughs> she knows it. I know uh, it, yeah. and I'll, I'll definitely attest to the whole uh, mystery science theater is my my happy place. Old Joel era mystery science theater is what I wa- I put on to make myself fall asleep when I can't sleep. That or like Tron or. Absolutely old video game commercials like this show uh it, it it calms me in a in a wonderful way uh that old crappy science fiction movie only only old crappy science fiction movies can and that's so, that's
0: exactly what i'm talking about because you told me and i just literally remembered that as we were starting to talk about this that that is your like i watched ghost hunters to go to sleep or, you know, that like, this was your go to sleep thing. And Angela and I were sitting on the couch today, watching it midday, And I started, I started to not out. And then I would wake up and then she would start <laughs> to not out. Like the, I don't know. In this... our
3: defense though. I, I mean, <clears throat> I have about five hours of sleep under my belt right now. And I am not accustomed to this anymore.
0: Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I may be topping out at six, but the fact is that I think there might be something in the soundtrack. That's hidden underneath layers of some sort that just soothes the mind.
3: It's fucking mind control. Let's be real. Th- okay,
2: it's the sound of old lo-fi movies. There's something nostalgically calming about it. There, there's this hiss that goes through the whole
0: thing. But, yes. So, all right. The I I love mystery science theater. I, I mean, I, every time I watch it, I remember why I like it or why I'm such a fan of it. The one thing I don't like about this, especially for this show is that there are so many lines to choose from
5: <laughs> for the beginning.
0: Like I I, I never take notes on how, what I'm going to say at the beginning, but I knew I had to get a pad of paper because like the intro, like my first one that I wrote down was la 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 because (laughs) that's four seconds into the episode. No,
3: he's not wrong though. I mean, I did the same thing. It was the first quote I wrote down was between a rock and a hard planet and I died. I mean, I literally couldn't stop laughing for like, like he almost paused the movie. I could and I was the like ABC I
2: can't movie of the week <laughs> yeah. but even before that when he's just looking at the opening credits like, Farouk Alatan? I went to school with Farouk Alatan.
0: <laughs> and some of them sound like they could be recycled jokes kind of thing like they, like if you're watching the credits like hey it's that guy or whatnot but I can't there was <laughs> snap an ankle and die of exposure. Like, that was straight up in reference to the video that they were watching.
5: <laughs>
0: it doesn't even matter what the movie, the movie was horrible. Horrible. Oh my God, it's God, really a- bad. It's bad. It starts off with a, a showing you a character that looks like the Swamp Thing from the movie The Swamp Thing and then this Ant
2: esque alien the opening I mean, credits was a different movie like it had nothing to do with the rest <laughs> yeah. of the movie. it was and there's a bunch of movies from this era that they'll watch where that happens like i can think of at least two other ones just off the top of my head i mean uh, cave dwellers was one of them where it's just the the opening of the movie is just it's this other movie for some reason playing over the credits
3: Yeah. And I love the fact that they acknowledge that so much. Like they were like, this is movie a, this is movie B. I don't even know what movie this is anymore. Like I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) Thank you.
0: This is boobie, movie D <laughs> <laughs>
2: for dumb.
5: Yes. See, movie
2: is. A is because right. You start off with the poachers in the woods with the 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 guys the but Renaissance what are they Festival. Poaching? They're doing like nightingale man- poaching eggs, was what eggs. they first got was nightingales' eggs, and then like the dude wanders in the cave and just starts beating up the eggs. <laughs> what is he, an LA cop? <laughs> it's like a- damn.
0: Oh. Damn,
2: was so, so harsh.
3: <laughs> so good though.
2: And but there's so many other other like really great visual gags, like when they show the monster walking through the woods from the first person, and the twigs keep brushing <gasps> oh, against I, the camera, yes. and they're yes. all like waving their hands, are like ah.
0: So I actually stopped one of these and rewound it to show Angela because there was a scene where the poachers. We're standing and like setting up camp. (laughs) He's gonna push him over, and he and he does that sign, and I go, "Did you see that?" She goes, "No." I go, "Look behind him," and I replayed it. Like that is a true visual gag for just this movies like like there's very little of it recycled which is amazing how they keep coming up with this stuff
3: i did actually laugh though the thing with the branches like i did put a note on that just because i was like this is funny like this is something i would do like I i felt that i was like yes this speaks to me and that was that was great because i didn't expect the silhouettes to actually interact as much with the movie um Cause I've only really seen MST3K in passing. Uh, like it was, you've on done in the more background. riff tracks, right? I'm more of the riff tracks. Yeah. But like, yeah. but, but I had seen this stuff. Like I knew what it was because like, when I was in high school, I had a friend who, uh, her older sister would put this on in the background for like small gatherings and it was just always on and we were all hanging out together. Um, so I would see it every now and then, and I'd get—I I'd just have, like, these moments, and, and somebody explained it, and I was like, oh, that's funny, ha, 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 every now and then I'd get a quote and be like, I don't know most of these references, that's fine. But this, I just, I guess I needed to just mature a little bit to be able to appreciate this, I don't know, because this thing, i I mean, this had me laughing pretty hard um
0: i'm so i was so proud of her because every time he said mcleod she chuckled
3: i did (laughs) it's always
2: funny (laughs)
0: that's
4: funny because every time he said mcleod i went mcleod (laughs) (laughs) because i've seen it like i don't know 700 times (laughs) (laughs) ha ha levity
2: (laughs) (laughs) they start doing where they start saying (sighs) other things like good night good night john boy (laughs) good night jody good night chief good night (laughs) mcleod
3: And I loved, like, I I couldn't stop laughing when they were like, "That sounded like Laura leaping to her death." Like, <laughs> and the way they hey, like, it's pick Norm her- Abrams
2: getting killed by a giant chicken. <laughs> hey, did you hear that? Sound like Norm Abrams getting killed by a giant chicken. <laughs>
3: And the way that they just like they they'd be like, don't tell me, and then he'd be like i'm telling you you know and and the way that like even in the movie itself, because it's so stupid and ridiculous, like they pick up Laura and they're like flinging her body around, a and they're like com-
2: mover spine around a lot,
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> like all of this commentary i i the thing that I have to ask though because I don't know how they do this, like so listeners um Chris actually sent Evan and I a list. Of uh, a breakdown of some of the references from this episode, and i I was very pleased because going through it, I actually started counting the, the, i I got a decent number more than I really thought I was going to um but how like i don 't know how they have this many hours and hours of
0: tireless rewatching of this movie
3: but then uh, yeah (laughs)
2: so the 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 process is is that they sit down and watch the movie and they just come up with jokes and then they watch it again and come up with more jokes and they keep coming up with them and coming up with them and then they choose what works best with each bit and then they have a script and then they go sit in a uh a mock-up of the theater where the you know joel sits in a chair and then the you know um kevin murphy sits underneath with a servo and uh um, Trace Beaulieu sits on the other side with uh, Crow and they do the puppeteering and they read the scripts along with the movie that they just had watched over and over and over again and the writers all came up with all the jokes and that's that's how they do it but they their, just watch it over and over again
3: their jokes and references are so ex- obscure like the only thing I've ever seen that even remotely comes close to that was like if you've ever seen Gilmore Girls like they would make so many pop culture <laughs> references that your fucking head would spin yeah. And these guys the way they do it like I know I knew that it was scripted but to even think like let's make a joke about blah and and like the the references that they would bring up I just don't know how they come up with that shit. I've never been funny but like this is next level.
2: This is seriously
3: like sorcery there's a part yeah, of- it's,
2: it's a it's a writer's room because it's not just those three of them there were you know, a handful of other writers and and mike who eventually took over for joel was yeah he was a head writer and and both the mad scientists and and jim Mallon and pretty much everybody involved would just come up with jokes and they all had all had different backgrounds they all had different things to reference and because this was it started off on like cable access it was never a big deal it had this like super low budget and it was space filler you know networks liked it because it took up a lot of time and so they didn't really have anyone watching them so they're like if if someone comes up with something we think is funny then let's put it in because who's going to stop us because nobody's nobody's paying attention it's
4: one of those rare beautiful things of like you know if no one is no one is paying attention to what you're doing and you can do whatever you want and you come up with
3: something just amazing mm-hmm. same way that the state is yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, this this was like, honestly, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed
0: it as much as as you did. I, I felt that it was iffy. There, there was a there's, there's a strong possibility of not this not being someone's cup of tea.
2: Yeah, like,
0: I I'd, I'd, the I'd,
4: references are extremely dated because they're written by adults in the 90s who were like playing off of things that they grew up on in the 70s mm-hmm.
3: that are now like it feels like a lifetime ago. But they had like, they referenced things like fucking, uh... Arnold Schwarzenegger and commando. I like you, Tommy, I'll kill you last. Like I knew that line. I, I love Schwarzenegger. Like I knew that line. And then the thing, when they're talking about like the fucking, Oh my God, sledgehammer, like, and then yep, the best that the, music video. I know. So, so two throwbacks for this with me. So sledgehammer is one of the few music videos that I know in life because I know very, very few music videos and most of them are okay. Go. So, so the, I, the reason that I know OK Go f- in the first place and this Sledgehammer video is because I used to work at a Harley Davidson dealership and they would have giant flat screen TVs and they mail you a DVD and you have the same music video cycling over and over and over again all day, every day, forever until you want to kill yourself. But this was one of the songs. And then when you gave us this list and i was like oh i didn't realize that this was like a tidbit that they actually acknowledged this song but then they i saw that it's the fucking stop motion animation was done by by nick park and i was like i loved wallace and grommet ah. <laughs> like it's just these little tie-ins that fucking blow my mind and then i had mentioned this a little bit at the beginning before we actually started recording but um the jeep reference was just perfect for me because uh first of all, my I make jokes about that stuff all the time because I have a family that loves to drive jeeps, but the 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 samurai reference just killed me because I actually did flip a jeep at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Jeep Cherokee, but it was still the fact that i I literally like did roll over in my jeep, which is the joke with that car,
5: <laughs> They're gonna die.
3: and I was just like, "Oh my God, but like, yeah. These references are fucking amazing. They're amazing. This is I and love it. Of course, it. right
2: before that, you get the smash cut to the deer, and you say just immediately Bambi. Humans are basically good. <laughs> sorry, I like the the the,
0: the, oh. the callbacks that they kept doing. Like they must have said the name Tommy like four hundred and twenty seven times in this movie, <laughs> and they referenced the the Who rock opera Tommy uh-huh. four hundred and twenty seven times. Can you hear me, Tommy? Can you hear me?
2: Like, (laughs) can you feel me near you? And I mean, like, I didn't get a lot of the the actual reasoning behind a lot of the references when I saw this for the first time. Like, I've never seen the whole Chief McLeod thing before, but it's just funny. Like, there's just something inherently amusing about hearing them just keep referring back to Chief McLeod. Like, that's just funny. Yes. There were two that really got me, and
0: they were so passed by kind of thing. It was um, when the kid brings the egg into bed, and he's like, "Oh, he's trying to hatch the egg." What is he, Horton? Like that made me laugh because Horton is who. And later on, there was a scene where that curmudgeonly guy that wants to shoot everything, and I want to say it was Tommy, were fighting over the phone not working, and then the guy grabbed give me it.
2: that all He a prop
0: phone. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny to me. <laughs> we you able to get to the, the cops? same no, exact prop thing. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh my god! Yeah,
2: that's a that's some pretty pretty high grade stuff. This is my second favorite episode of this of this series, and, and the Annie. first
0: one is
2: Mitchell. That's of course Mitchell. <laughs> okay. One of these days, we'll I'll I'll make you guys watch Mitchell, which is is a freaking masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really uh, something it really is something else but. I propose
3: that at some point she oh my god that was f- <laughs> f-
2: now I'm just I'm just scrolling
0: oh, through scrolling this. through this
3: <laughs> list I know it's hard not to
0: boldly backing away from where no man has
2: gone before <laughs> oh, and all the references to like a uh, new wave music was just
0: oh my uh, god
3: perfect <laughs> on point <laughs>
0: I know what you're thinking, Tommy. Did Mommy <laughs> fire six shots or <laughs> only oh, five?
3: <laughs> uh, some would say in regard to music, they were really on key. Uh, Not sorry.
0: Can you carry Moonbeams home in a jar. <laughs> Trumpy, you can
2: do stupid things. We got it when they recreate that bit during the host segment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the song... <coughs> That they were (laughs) seeing. Like, I I, seriously, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen this episode, you've got to watch it because you just this is one of those movies that's so baffling that it got put together in the first place. Like, do you think the microphone's picking up their dancing? (laughs) 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 One of my favorite lines comes after that whole scene where they said, Do you think the weather's gonna hold up? No, I think it's just going to stop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Such a good joke.
0: And you see like that's the thing like if you always wanting to have that group of people that you can get together with and sit down and watch a really bad movie and be like the goal is to be able to do this. Yeah. And I listen no matter how it seems yes we are all witty people but these this cast and crew take it to a whole nother level. Like They're so talented, and the speed. Of course, it comes from trial and error, and watching this over and over again. But you don't, you don't necessarily feel that as you're watching this show.
3: And if you're a person who likes one-liners, this is the only thing you should ever watch. I mean, really and truly, the the number of jokes that come out of this and the quotability.
0: So people are being methodically killed off by banana splits. <laughs>
3: like like it's just so 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 bad. It, it, there there are things and also the fact that they do reference so many things and that there are breakdowns of those references honestly to me it adds a level of depth that just makes it even better i really <laughs> i i could i could definitely watch this again and i i do i do propose that if we're going to watch another one of these i would really like to do it as a celebration of the end of the pandemic times where we get to do a trip and somebody visits somebody and we all watch it together
2: oh i would love that so i used to have a regular mystery science theater night with some friends of mine when i lived in north jersey and it was a it made me so happy. Uh, every every week or so, we'd get together and play some video games and then throw on a Mystery Science Theater. And uh, it was it was heaven. It was, I was, I was it, a part was of some of
0: your uh, Riff Track evenings as well, which is like the modernized cousin of this.
2: Yeah. So after Mystery Science Theater eventually ended on uh, Comedy Central, because... Uh, not Comedy Central. Like it, After Comedy Central, it went over to Sci-Fi Channel, and they did some weird stuff on Sci-Fi where they insisted that the show have a, a through-line plot. Mm. And uh, so that's why we got a bunch of the weird things in the host segments. And uh, eventually the show got canceled, with a, <clears throat> the last episode being Diabolic, which was a, a really good episode. Um, and uh, the people who did the show kind of splintered off, right? So around uh after mitchell joel the creator of the show left the show because there was some sort of tension between him and the head writer mike nelson who wound up taking over for him after he left the show and uh then eventually the the two mad scientists left and other writers got promoted to on-screen talent and they brought in people like bill corbett uh to replace crow uh, crow's voice and the show's got a weird history but uh the original crew um uh, the the guy who was only on the first season um, uh, J. Elvis Weinstein uh, Who played Larry uh, Dr. Forrester's original assistant Frank Conniff who played TV's Frank jo- Trace Beaulieu who was the original Crow And Dr. Forrester uh, Joel Hodgson who was Joel Robinson uh, And I think Mary Jo Peel Was there too who was actually from the later Sci-fi uh, episodes They gathered, gathered together and did Something called Cinematic Titanic Which was uh, very similar to Mystery Science Theater where you saw their silhouettes in front of the movie and so they did some visual gags with it too and they did a whole live show thing which was amazing. And then uh, Mike, Bill, and Kevin uh, who were the, the, you know, the host, Mike Nelson and then Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy who were uh, Tom Servo and Crow they went off and did their own thing which was Rift tracks where they'd record their own a commentary that you would play over the movie that you watched like when it first started out i don't even know how it works anymore cuz technology has changed so much but you, they'd have to like you'd put in your dvd and they would tell you when to press play so that it lined up with your the commentary lined up with the movie it was it was pretty ingenious but so that's kind of how all this stuff Went And then a few years ago, Mystery Science Theater got revived uh, with Joel and then a new cast. And uh, that stuck around on Netflix for a bit. And that has since been canceled. And uh, theoretically, it's going to carry on in some way, shape or form outside of live shows. But I haven't even finished watching all the, the Netflix ones yet because, you know, I don't get a lot of time to sit down and watch a 90 minute episode of Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, that's that's the only I
0: mean downside is that this is like this is an investment nowadays like this is not bite-sized this is you're in essence watching an hour an hour and a half movie that is not good the movie itself they're never good movies ever well yeah their interactions make it so much more enjoyable
3: and i will say if anyone is looking to try out riff tracks please start with the twilight films oh my god
2: <laughs> twilight was great and there were a lot of really good riff tracks really just classics hello
3: ladies ladies line. yeah the the riff tracks um i do know for a fact that at least with the first twilight actually all of the twilight films you can obtain them with the riff tracks commentary worked in as part of the audio you don't have to sync anything up it's just a file that you can get um like a a complete film with the commentary so it's absolutely amazing and i highly recommend uh i i had known that there was some connection to mst3k but i had not realized how strong of a connection um oh
2: yeah they were just the guys who did mystery science theater yeah <laughs> i thought they that. were
3: like super fanboys or something i didn't realize they were the same crew essentially that was doing it in the first place uh so that 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 was really cool because when i heard their voices today i was like i know this
2: <laughs> well it said uh, the only voice that you would know from Rift tracks would have been kevin murphy because he was tom servo yep. for almost the entire run but then uh Bill Corbett didn't take over until Trace Belieu left for uh for Crow and Mike replaced, you know, Joel when he left. hmm But yeah.
3: Yeah, but I, that, I that, that voice. Yep.
2: And in fact, uh the the first episode with Mike and the last episode with Joel was Mitchell. That was where they where Joel left.
5: Mm.
3: I'm kind of a little bit sad.
2: It's magical. Anyway, I'm glad you guys liked this I can't wait to do more of it And uh, I think we should wrap things up Because it's getting late and I'm tired Sounds like yeah, a plan Alright, uh, start playing Clown in the Sky, please <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: Okay <laughs> Good night, Servo Good night, Joel Good night, Crow You're not my real father What do you think, Sirs? It stinks <laughs> One of the most perfect endings And that, oh the, the end credits music the uh, love theme from mystery science theater that they play at the end of every episode. I just love it. <laughs> Anyway, this week's episode isn't filmed before a live studio audience, but it is fueled by feedback from listeners like you, and you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. We have an official Geekade Discord, where there's an entire This Week's Episode channel dedicated to all things TV talk. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through the official Geekade channels or the more specific Twepcast accounts. And of course, the four of us can be found in various ways. I'm available on Twitter at GeekadeChris, and you can read my work at StoneAgeGamer.com and in the pages of Nintendo Force Magazine. Karen, where can people find you? Uh,
4: on Twitter at sh- uh, Twitter and Instagram. No, <laughs> you threw me off by rewriting the script. <laughs> we're all learning. We're all hearing uh, this for the first time together. <laughs> I, I personally am on uh, Twitter at shoot underscore the underscore moon, and you can find my uh, fun feminist and fandom fiber art at uh, STM Stitches
3: on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and Etsy.
2: Angie, where can people find you?
3: You can find me on Twitch, which, if you listen to our show, you should be hearing the commercials. Uh, so it's twitch.tv slash LaraCraft13, or you can stalk me on Instagram at A for not
2: And Evan, where can people
0: find you? All the social media is at un- geekade underscore Evan. <laughs>
2: If you need to know more about the shows we discussed tonight or what we'll be watching in the future, have a look at our show notes. And if you have any questions at all, we can always be reached at mail at geekade.com. Just include the words of this week's episode in the subject line so we know who you're trying to reach. This show is available anywhere fine podcasts are sold, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and more. And wherever you decide to listen, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave reviews, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, as always, keep your eyes on geekade.com for more fresh, original content. So, uh, what's our, who's, who's next?
3: I thought it was me. I th-
5: think I it think is, you're right. It is you.
3: Okay. All so, I remember Angie, is I go homework? after Chris. Okay. Our homework. Uh, this is actually fun because this is not something I'm familiar with. This was a listener request. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to try. So the show is the expanse season one, episode one the episode title uh we will hopefully know how to pronounce at the end of the episode but for now I'm gonna call it Dulcinea 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 Cabana I don't know it's a it's, <laughs> nice. don't you de leche. it's <laughs> a reference to the Man of La Mancha oh cool I know nothing about that so yay well, for being uneducated maybe we'll see if it's in there <laughs> okay but yeah that's that's the pick and if it sucks we can all br- blame uh our, my listener friend named Justin
0: Well, thanks a lot, Justin.
3: Yeah, Justin.
2: (laughs) Well, that's going to be it from us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Chris
3: McLeod.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She wants to do the McLeod. That's okay. You could say it.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I'm (laughs) Angie.
0: Creamy Living Chocolate Center. Good night.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Little potatoes.
1: Well, guys, looks like it's time to pack it all in again. Yeah, we are the stuff dreams are made of. Oh, that's beautiful,
3: Crow. Shakespeare? Uh,
1: no, Burma Shave. Oh, well, like, <laughs> you know, guys, it always hurts Ow. to close it all up, yeah. strike the set, Ow. wipe off the grease paint, yeah. uh, napkin up the blood and entrails, Ow. and move yeah. on to another town. Uh-oh, I smell a song. Tell me where does all the magic go? When the curtain falls to end the show, do the clowns always cry when they pack up the paper sky? And the lock is on the old stage door. Will there still be a clown in the sky for me? (laughs) Oh, no. Don't worry, buddy. There'll be other experiments. You really think so, mister? Yeah, take a verse. It'll cheer you out. Okay. When the Harlequin is on the pad and the whiskey hay surrounds his head. William Holden's coming over. Tom and survive. he's got to flip the tooth. If you die, don't stop doing your Anthony Newley. I'm going to throw you against the wall. He'll do it. Will him. there still be a clown in the sky? Crow, well, still be a, a clown, clown in, in the, the sky. sky. Take it home, Joel. Tell me where it is. Clown in the sky for
5: me? Oh.
1: <laughs> I love you, Tom Servo. I love you, Joel. <laughs> I love you, Crow. You're not my real father. What do you think, sirs? It, it stinks. stinks.
5: <laughs> and this concludes our broadcast day.